0: on the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I am your host here as always, Chris Flaming, And today, I have the honor of welcoming Patricia Matthews to the show. She is the Principal of Workplace Experts, LLC, helping large and small companies and businesses in HR strategy development. Pat, thanks for being here, and welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, uh, we're going to have some fun. So I, I know you have a very interesting history, so I'm hoping you could just take us through how you got to where you are today with the business and how that all came about.
2: Okay, all right. My background is with Fortune 100 companies. I worked for Occidental uh, Petroleum's Chemical Subsidiary in Niagara Falls, New York. Ultimately was recruited away and went to work for Anheuser-Busch Companies in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh nice. Uh, Ultimately became director of human resources for their agricultural subsidiary, which a lot of people don't know that AB has. Yeah. And then uh, I was actually contacted by a recruiter. Uh, There was a company that was forming a riverboat gaming operation. Okay. they needed a VP of HR. And from a riverboat gaming perspective, I was there for almost five years, during which time we opened up five locations which entailed 10 unions, oh, and wow. uh, that convinced me that I probably should just do this on my own. <laughs> so in, in 1999, I decided to start my own HR consulting practice, and it was pretty easy in uh, St. Louis because I was very well-known okay. for the companies at, at which I worked, um, and then moving to Sarasota was a bit more challenging. Initially, my clients were in St. Louis Ultimately, I began to find clients here in the Sarasota, Manatee area, and then throughout Florida, and it just grew from there.
1: Okay, awesome. Now, I could definitely see where, I mean, even working with one union would, is hard. <laughs> but if there were 10 separate ones, I could see where that would drive you, well, not maybe insane, but to to the point where you'd want to go out and hang up your own shingle.
2: Yeah, I was kind of like, okay, hang me now. I mean, yeah. my husband and I were on vacation in Sarasota, and he said, Pat this job is going to kill you. Yeah. He said, you can't be flying all over the place, negotiating contracts, uh, working. Uh, I had a good relationship. It's yeah. just 10 union contracts was right. a
1: lot. Yeah, a lot of personalities there. Yeah, yeah. a lot of uh, A types also, I'm sure. So that, you bring up an interesting question. So if you could go back in time and tell the younger Pat something, give the younger Pat some advice, something that you wish you knew then that you know now, what, would, what do you think that would be?
2: It would be, I should have started my consulting practice earlier than I did.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. And I, and I think we've established why that would be important. All right. So is there some areas of your business that you personally get the most enjoyment out of?
2: Yes. As a matter of fact, I really enjoy um, doing HR audits. Um, okay. I, there are not a lot of HR people who do HR audits because they're not compliance off. Audits, their process audits. Yeah, right. Uh, So I really enjoy that. I really enjoy what we call organization development work, which means doing employee surveys, uh, going in and trying to find out what the level of engagement is in an organization. And then I would say I even enjoy the smaller projects where, for example, yesterday I had to go and terminate an employee for a client who has an office here, but they're based in another state.
1: Okay. All right. So that you act in that capacity if they need that.
2: Uh, Yes, absolutely. And I I take great pride in doing it because I'm representing an organization and I want to do the termination in the most professional, Mm -hmm. fair, but firm way. All right. So what do you
1: see as a common misconception that a company might have in working with your business or working with you? Some things that, I don't know, some misconceptions they have or some crazy things?
2: Well, first of all, they think of HR as paperwork. Okay. <laughs> right. so let it's just push the paperwork, which we right. call transactional HR. And mm. that, isn't, that isn't what I'm about. I'm more about strategic HR. So the misconception typically is they'll call me with a, an issue um, that doesn't really require a lot of expertise so I have to try to help them to think about it strategically. And, and a good example yeah. is what happened yesterday. I mean, was this a good decision? I worked with them for two days prior on and off, not
0: continuously yeah.
2: to come to a conclusion. Is this the right decision? Mm-hmm. And should you make it now? And the answer was clearly yes.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: and I also think sometimes some employers assume I will come in and wave my magic wand And all their issues with absenteeism and accountability and motivation uh, will just magically go away. I have have been asked to come in and teach employees how to be better motivated. Sorry, you can't teach that. It's an inherent quality that can be drawn out by the company's culture.
1: Right. That's very well said. And I think what you mentioned there about was it a good decision and was it right to do it now? Not knowing any of the circumstances, but so many times the business owner probably knows it's a good decision and they need to do it now, but they just they just are reluctant to do it because it's uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, oh, very yes, very much so. Very. And so
1: like most of us do, you just, if it's an uncomfortable choice, you just put it off and then I'll hope that. it goes away.
2: Right. Until that final button is pushed and then the employee's been working for you for 10 years and now they're over age 40.
1: Yeah.
2: You've never given them a bad performance review and they've just pushed your last button. And so you want them out the door. Yeah. And you call me and I come in and say, well, Chris, you you can't do that right now. Let's work through this.
1: Yeah. And they probably and they probably contributed contributed negatively to your culture during that whole time frame, too. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, I oh. think that's what people miss on. So why don't, why don't you give me a description or tell me like a typical or an ideal business that you work with?
2: Really, the ideal business is anywhere from, oh, I would say up to, let's say up to uh, 300 employees, but I have worked with much larger operations, but ideally up to 300, typically up to 100 because they can't afford a full-time HR person, Mm -hmm. or if they have one, it's more or less the... um, a transactional HR person who's there to kind of process paperwork. Mm -hmm. So that's an ideal organization because I feel I can bring them some strategic viewpoints that um, they may not have uh, considered prior to me coming in.
1: Okay, so making how they do things better right now and then maybe preparing them for the next leap up in growth. Okay. Um, so, walk me through the steps that you usually take a client through when they when they engage with you.
2: Well, it de- and it really varies depending upon okay. what you want done. Um, but let me use
1: let's p- say let's say they yeah. will use that example. But then let's say they wanted you to do like an audit.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. That was yeah.
1: my
2: favorite.
0: That's okay.
1: My favorite.
2: Okay, so what I do is I come in and I will share with them exactly what the process is. Mm-hmm. So there's full transparency. They know exactly what I'm going to look at. And what I do in an HR audit is I look at every aspect of the employee experience. That's a mm-hmm. great term right now, which means how do you treat your employees and what processes do you, do you use from the time you interview a potential employee to the time they're hired, and then they're trained, and how are they paid, and what kind of handbook, what kind of policies and procedures do you have in place, Mm -hmm. uh, all the way through termination. How is that done? Uh, What is the process? And, and I love doing HR audits because I can point out to them where there are areas in the way an employee experiences their company that definitely could use improvement and certainly right now help with uh, retention.
1: All right. I feel like you're reading my mind. Every answer that you're giving me is kind of leading into the next question. So we are really in sync here. Really in sync Pat. So I have
2: ESP, that's my other
1: Oh, good. Job. All right. well, I, I only have ESPN, but so I don't have ESP. Okay, so based on what you said there, then let's say you identify these areas yeah. of improvement, all right and and your client agrees. Yep, uh, Pat, we need to do that. I, you, I've been thinking about that or I didn't know rem- I didn't think of that. I agree with you. How do you get them to buy into the improvements that they need to make? Because in a lot of cases, those are probably going to require some change and some communication, and it might even be kind of uncomfortable. So how do you get them to
2: move into the implementation part? Okay, so that means that during my audit, I will work with maybe the heads of different departments or various supervisory groups, because I want to find out what their experiences of the company. I mean, how well, how well is a certain policy working for them? Um, Because oftentimes, and Chris, it's, it's amazing how many times you find this. Someone will have a policy manual that they basically stole from another organization. Right. I've yeah. even read policy manuals that have the name of the other organization still right. it. Didn't even <laughs> change that. Right. So then I find out from the supervisors that, you know, well, they, they want us to, to write them up every time. And sometimes I don't agree with that. And, and I'll, I will tell you right now, I don't agree with it either. I truly believe that there are situations where first you want to coach someone yeah. before you write them up, before you even go to that, give them a chance to improve. Mm-hmm. But there will be policies in the handbook, which by law, you are required to follow. But I find that since the supervisors don't like them, they don't follow them. Mm-hmm. So it's great to work with a team Well, my goal always is to get the management team or supervisors, uh, supervisory team to take um, ownership of the process. Okay. So it's not just Pat coming in and pointing out all these things. It's working with their teams to help them to buy in.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, and hopefully the employees have respect for those people that are implementing this stuff. I guess that would be really hard if you, you yeah. found out that you have a bunch of people that don't respect the supervisor or the person. So that would right. be tough. And I bet that would be tough in implementation.
0: It
2: can be. That's why I, I prefer to work with more than one. Because yes. and, and that way, if it's a five-person team and one person is not regarded very well, but the other four are, I think, mm-hmm. employees are far more likely yeah. to raise this.
1: Okay. So let's do like a, I don't, I don't want to call it a lightning round. Like, I think you have to be <laughs> fast, but- I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you kind of a common area of improvement. I saw you had a lot of them really helpful there on your website. So a common area of improvement that you uh, regularly identify in companies. And then you kind of give me the first thing that comes to mind that often helps to fix or address that issue. Okay. Um, all right. So let's start with retention.
2: Okay. That really starts with recruitment. Okay. Um, you have to be really sure that the individual you select for the job is a good fit, not just for the job itself, but for your culture. Mm. Is this going to be a good fit? Okay. Because what I see what, from a turnover perspective is, and, and you can look at data, the, most of the recruitment occurs within two to three years of hire. Mm-hmm. And it's usually because the person goes in Oh, I could tell you a long joke about this. That's really funny. But anyways, goes in and finds out that the heaven on earth you presented to them is not really what they're going to experience once they get uh, to once they start working for your company.
1: Okay. All right. So it's kind of like a bait and switch almost. Or
2: oh yeah, you yeah.
1: painted a really rosy picture and it it was a, it wasn't a rosy picture. Okay. Yeah. So how about absenteeism?
2: Okay. Um, oftentimes, absenteeism is uh, a lack of enforcement mm-hmm. of the attendance policies by certain managers and supervisors. You hit the nail on the head earlier. They're just afraid to address the issue. Yeah. Sometimes absenteeism can be resolved if you find out what the real reason is. Mm-hmm. I've, I experienced that myself in business. I've had employees who are not uh, good with their attendance. So I sit them down and I say, okay, what do I need to know? I, I need you here on a regular basis. I need to know I can count on you. What am I missing? What do I need to know? And I'll give you an example. In one instance, uh, the young woman I was talking to who was on my staff said that she was having a terrible time getting uh, reliable childcare. Mm. I said, what do you need to get this accomplished? She said, I, I need like three days off so I can find a good person. I said, then take your three days off. But after that, I would expect that you will be here on a regular basis. And she was.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah, that's great. I love the example there. Okay. How about um, improvements in collaboration? So people who have good ideas, but they want to keep them to themselves, either because they think it'll help with their advancement or they don't trust their coworkers. So how how do you do that? Right.
2: Sometimes, and I won't say every time, but sometimes that's a reward and recognition process. Nice. I've helped many clients implement a reward process uh, where basically they're they're saying, hey, come to us with your ideas. And if we implement the idea, because we aren't going to implement all of them, yeah. um, then you will be rewarded. And they actually have, it's a, it's a formal process to do that. So you want to... Um, you want to make sure people are rewarded for what they do. And honestly, Chris, there are managers out there. I worked for one early in my career that took credit for everything that I did. Mm. And there's nothing more demoralizing. And then all sure. you want to do is either leave the company or get transferred to a different department. Um, it, that's really difficult. So if the if the leadership team says, no, no, we want those ideas. Because okay. suggestion boxes, remember when they used to have those? Yes. you find like, gum wrappers in them and things yes. like that people just they don't work but if you reward them that makes a big difference
1: okay incentives work I like that yeah. I think I've heard that in other places in other areas too yeah. incentives work okay how about improving morale you kind of hit on this earlier but
2: yeah okay so that and, and I would say right now that's critical mm. um you have to really take a look at your culture. Are you living your values? Have you even identified what those values are, mm-hmm. both by name and by employee behavior? Mm-hmm. Because you can tell employees, you know, we want loyalty. That was the big value at Anheuser-Busch. Mm-hmm. But then you have, to show, you have to define what is what does a, a loyalty look like? Mm-hmm. It, it means, you know, you can show up every day, you do the best work you possibly can, whatever that is, you know, you define it for them and you you need to make sure that it's an environment where since we're talking about morale where people are comfortable where there if you say we have an open door policy there is an open door policy there is someone who will listen to issues concerns that an employee has
0: hmm. and
2: you have to be honest with employees if you if you can't address a problem if you can't address an issue then you just have to tell them that I've, I've done so many employee surveys, and oftentimes what will come out of a survey is, well, if they paid us more, we'd do better work, and you know if they can't afford to pay them more, that's what they need to tell the employees. yeah we are right. paying you fairly, we are paying you according to the market, we are competitive, we cannot increase pay at this time, mm-hmm. and then perhaps look for other ways through yeah. recognition programs, through some benefit changes tweaking to benefits like financial benefits that they offer, their 401ks, whatever, you know, make improvements there where they can.
1: Okay. So that you segued into what I was hoping we could talk about next. Good job there. Uh, How important do you think a retirement benefits package is in all of this?
2: Oh, I, right now, given the inflation and what's going on and, and I mean, it, Okay, let me start, and I'll try and make this as as succinct as possible. If you try to increase uh, salaries, especially for new employees who are coming in, then you really have to consider increasing salaries for the employees that have already been there. Otherwise, you get inequities.
1: Oh, yeah. Everyone, the the new people came on and they're making more than where I started or they're making more than I'm making now. Yeah, there's nothing that uh, annoys people more than that.
2: Yes. So, if you want to talk about morale, there's a a real morale Mm -hmm. killer. Mm -hmm. So, think about what your matches, you know, how how much, what percentage match are you willing to make? Can you reasonably make? Mm -hmm. Um, And because I, uh, man, if there's anything I could look back on and say, I wish I did sooner, it was start contributing to my 401k plan. I waited because I was the the sole support of my family. And I waited. And then when I finally did, I was like, oh, my goodness, why didn't I do this like, you know, five years earlier?
1: Yeah. Yeah. All that free money.
2: It's true. It's true. Yeah. And and Anheuser Busch, oh, my goodness, their match was exceptional. And then they also did a stock uh, yeah. match. And I mean, it was great.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that's a big component. Maybe, maybe not the person doesn't see the benefit of it long term, but from a morale standpoint and and overall benefits package. The retirement part has a place there. Okay, so I try to think of a satisfying client experience that you've had um, recently, without sharing any details. Maybe the problems that they were facing, and and how you were able to help them get in a in a different direction from an efficiency standpoint, or you know, just an HR program standpoint.
2: Okay, boy, there've been a few. I would say. Oh, boy, it's hard for me to zero in on one example. There's one, though, that sticks in my mind, and it wasn't real recent. It was a little okay. bit. Okay,
1: that's fine.
2: They were having a, a, a huge problem with, a morale, uh, with morale at outlying facilities. So it was a larger organization, and they had different locations. Okay. And, and they were just having a, a huge morale problem. And they, their answer was, we're going to increase pay because most of their employees were uh, minimum wage employees. So they said, you know, let's just increase pay. And I kept saying, "Uh, you're paying competitively. I don't think increasing pay is the answer. Oh, no, yes, it is. So they did increase pay and it didn't have any impact. And it was really more morale, quality of work. I mean, people, unfortunately, were staying, but they really weren't doing what they, what the company expected them to do. So I said, let's, let's, get all the employees involved in correcting the problems. And they had some safety issues. They had some workers' compensation issues, the, of course, the attendance issues, et cetera. And what we did was we did what I, what you would call a total quality management experience. So I'm going mm-hmm. back to OD again. But we gave them goals that the company hoped to achieve. And we didn't make them unreasonable um, in terms of bringing in additional revenue, okay. in, in their client base, um uh, reducing safety incidences reducing their um uh, workers compensation costs etc and the goal was such that every employee we 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 put a a whole whiteboard up in a conference room and we had all the goals and then every month we would show them where we were um, advancing as far as the goals went and the thing was at the end of the year if the company achieved those goals, every employee would would get a 1000 or $1,500 bonus. Now, for okay. a minimum wage worker at yep. Christmas time, that was beautiful. That's a big deal. I mean, Chris, you can't believe they exceeded those goals. Yeah. And they just, they, and I, uh, it was funny because the plant manager came to me and in his little Southern twang, he said, you know, Pat, he says, I got people, we don't even have to call in maintenance, uh, uh, firms to come in and fix yes. our machinery. I got the guys are out there fixing the machinery themselves. And he says, it's amazing. And I said, no, it's not. You've never asked them for their input. You've never asked them for their involvement and you've never rewarded that. Mm-hmm. And so they did it. They asked them yeah. for input, got them involved, and rewarded them. And tur- it turned the company around.
1: Yeah, amazing. No, that's a great example. Okay, let's switch gears a little bit. I'm curious, outside of your business, is there something that you're really passionate about
2: personally? Oh, uh, first of all, art and theater. I actually start. I did dinner theater many, many years ago. So I really enjoy that. <laughs> Uh, walking is another passion, uh, working out. And uh, I do try to support as many of the charities that I can here. Mm-hmm. I was on the board for Habitat um, for Humanity. Um, okay. and, you know, I, I just believe there are so many worthy causes out there. So I do take an interest in that. But my true love is, is art and, and the performing arts.
1: Awesome. Well, you're in the right place for that. Here yes. in Sarasota, yeah. yes, it's the
2: it's,
1: it's it's the secret that got out, and now we have too many people moving here, right? I know, I know. <laughs> okay, so I'm I'm wondering um, what you personally kind of see as your biggest opportunity for your business going forward.
2: Boy, the biggest opportunity, oh, the biggest challenge these past two years. I'll start. Okay, with that, okay, was, was COVID. Okay, and helping my clients. Put in place COVID policies, advising Mm -hmm. them when someone needed to be sent home, when they could return to work. I mean, I, I am Miss CDC. I I just know all the rules and regulations because I had to. Moving forward, HR is changing rapidly. Mm -hmm. Companies that said no, no, none of our employees could ever work remotely. What are they doing? They're working remotely or they're doing hybrid work. Mm -hmm. So I see the the changes occurring in HR becoming more strategic. Mm. And I'm really proud of that. I mean, it makes me very proud of my profession to see the value that HR can bring.
1: Okay, and th- I wasn't thinking of this question, but I'll ask you your opinion. Do you think that the hybrid models are completely remote? Do you think that that's probably workable for any type of business? Or do you think it's probably more geared for certain industries or certain businesses that can do that more easily.
2: It is truly geared toward certain businesses and certain industries. I mean, th- if you think about a restaurant, yeah, a retail store, right. Uh, however, there are people that don't that work behind the scenes in mm-hmm. those operations, and they could, in some instances, be working in a hybrid way—maybe three days on-site, two days uh, from home. Yeah. Uh, I think you have to take into consideration the job, and can the job be modified? Yeah. Just that hybrid work and you know what the biggest thing is chris Uh, managers owners business owners oftentimes don't trust their employees yeah you know if i can't see them how do i really know they're doing the work well you're not doing the work if the work is getting done i mean Mm -hmm. that's what it all boils down to And, Mm -hmm. and goal setting is is really an area where there still needs to be a lot of work done
1: yeah i think i think it'll be interesting to see and they probably won't study this for several years what the potential impact is on productivity uh from remote work and then the other thing is is maybe the unintended social effects of you know being home by yourself right um yeah well i don't know if you want to call it mental health but just how did that affect the person's general happiness with being because we're social beings Well, most people are. There's there's those that group that are introverts. And, you know, the pandemic really had no effect on them because they were already staying home anyway. So it was fine. But for the us people who are not introverted, then that was definitely a change.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. And neurodiversity. You've probably heard that term. I don't know. That's that's another classification of employee. You're trying to, it's combining those introverts and extroverts and people that have certain maybe mental health challenges, maybe Mm -hmm. you're overly anxious or depressed or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that social aspect for many people is very important, but, you know, there are those people that a Zoom meeting is adequate and talking by phone is adequate. It's just important to make sure that you stay in constant contact with them, that they're not
1: overlooked. Right. Yeah. You can't really replace that human interaction when you're when you're one on one or in a group with somebody. And I've even had people say to me, you know, when I came in, and met with you, Chris. That was the only social interaction I had that day or, you know, the only time I was with a person or, you know, so you take you take that away and you wonder what kind of impact would that have? So that remains to be seen, to be determined. Okay, yes. so Pat, if people want to learn more about you or your company or contact you, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: i probably go on my website, which <clears throat> needs to be fixed a little bit, but anyway, I'm never satisfied with it. Um, they would con- they would go to WorkplaceExperts.com, and it shares the E, so it's W-O-R-K-P-L-A-C-E and then X-P-E-R-T-S.com. Okay,
1: okay great. So go there. That would be the best way to get to reach out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. My, my contact is there. Uh, it's, it's Pat at workplace And my um, cell phone number is there. So, OK, I'm always on the move. I mean, yeah, easy to get in contact with me.
1: Awesome. All right, Pat, listen, I want to thank you for coming to the show today, for being here, making an appearance. It's been a true pleasure to interview you. This was very informative and insightful. And I want to thank everybody for listening and watching the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we are raising the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level, one show at a time. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Take care. Be well. Thanks, Pat.
0: Thank you. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.